Section 32 of Commentary on the Epistles of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Commentary on the Epistles of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, Volume 1, by John Calvin. Translated by Reverend John Pringle. 1 Corinthians, Chapter 7, Verses 3-5. through 5. 3. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. 4. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. 5. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. The husband to the wife. He now prescribes the rules to be observed in the marriage connection, or he teaches what is the duty of husband and wife. And in the first place he lays down a general doctrine as to mutual benevolence, that the husband love his wife and the wife her husband, for as to the interpretation which others give to the expression due benevolence, duty of marriage, I do not know how far it is suitable. The reason that inclines them to this view is that it is immediately added, the husband has not power of his own body, etc., but it will suit better to regard that as an inference drawn from the preceding statement. Husband and wife, therefore, are bound to mutual benevolence. Hence it follows that they have neither the one nor the other the power of their own body. But it may be asked why the apostle here puts them upon a level, instead of requiring from the wife obedience and subjection. I answer that it was not his intention to treat of all their duties, but simply of the mutual obligation as to the marriage bed. In other things, therefore, husband and wife differ, both as to duty and as to authority. In this respect, the condition of both is alike as to the maintaining of conjugal fidelity. For this reason also polygamy is again condemned, for if this is an invariable condition of marriage, that the husband surrenders the power of his own body and gives it up to his wife, how could he afterwards connect himself with another as if he were free? Defraud ye not one the other. Profane persons might think that Paul does not act with sufficient modesty in discoursing in this manner as to the intercourse of a husband with his wife, or at least that it was unbecoming the dignity of an apostle. If, however, we consider the reasons that influenced him, we shall find that he was under the necessity of speaking of these things. In the first place he knew how much influence a false appearance of sanctity has in beguiling devout minds, as we ourselves know by experience. For Satan dazzles us with an appearance of what is right, that we may be led to imagine that we are polluted by intercourse with our wives, and leaving off our calling may think of pursuing another kind of life. Farther, he knew how prone everyone is to self-love and devoted to his own gratification. From this it comes that a husband, having had his desire gratified, treats his wife not merely with neglect, but even with disdain, and there are few that do not sometimes feel this disdain of their wives creep in on them. It is for these reasons that he treats so carefully of the mutual obligations of the married life. If at any time it comes into the minds of married persons to desire an unmarried life, as though it were holier, or if they are tempted by irregular desires, let them bear in mind that they are bound by a mutual connection. The husband is but the one half of his body, and so is it also as to the wife. Hence they have not liberty of choice, but must on the contrary restrain themselves with such thoughts as these. Because the one needed help from the other, the Lord has connected us together, that we may assist each other. 
let each then be helpful to each other's necessity and neither of them act as if at his or her own disposal unless by mutual consent he requires mutual consent in the first place because the question is not as to the continency of one merely but of two and besides he immediately adds two other exceptions the first is that it be done only for a time as perpetual continency is not in their power lest if they should venture to make an attempt beyond their power they might fall before satan's stratagems the second is that they do not abstain from conjugal intercourse on the ground of that abstinence being of itself a good and holy work or as if it were the worship of god but that they may be at leisure for better employments now though paul had taken such gains in guarding this yet satan prevailed so far as to drive many to unlawful divorce from a corrupt desire for an unmarried life the husband leaving his wife fled to the desert that he might please god better by living as a monk the wife against her husband's will put on the veil the badge of celibacy meanwhile they did not consider that by violating their marriage engagement they broke the lord's covenant and by loosing the marriage tie they cast off the lord's yoke this vice it is true was corrected in some measure by the ancient canons for they prohibited a husband from leaving his wife against her will on pretense of continency and in like manner a wife from refusing to her husband the use of her body in this however they erred that they permitted both together to live in perpetual celibacy as if it were lawful for men to decree anything that is contrary to the spirit of god paul expressly commands that married persons do not defraud each other except for a time the bishops give permission to leave off the use of marriage for ever who does not see the manifest contrariety let no one therefore be surprised that we make free to dissent on this point from the ancients who it is evident deviated from the clear statements of the word of god that ye may have leisure for fasting and prayer we must take notice that paul does not speak here of every kind of fasting or every kind of prayer that sobriety and temperance which ought to be habitual on the part of christians is a kind of fasting prayer too ought to be not merely daily but even continual he speaks however of that kind of fasting which is a solemn expression of penitence with the view of deprecating god's anger or by which believers prepare themselves for prayer when they are undertaking some important business in like manner the kind of prayer that he speaks of is such as requires a more intense affection of the mind for it sometimes happens that we require leaving off everything else to fast and pray as when any calamity is impending if it appears to be a visitation of god's wrath or when we are involved in any difficult matter or when we have something of great importance to do as for example the ordaining of pastors now it is with propriety that the apostle connects these two things because fasting is a preparation for prayer as christ also connects them when he says this kind of devils goeth not out but by fasting and prayer matthew chapter seventeen verse twenty one when therefore paul says that ye may be at leisure the meaning is that having freed ourselves from all impediments we may apply ourselves to this one thing now if any one objects that the use of the marriage bed is an evil thing inasmuch as it hinders prayer the answer is easy that it is not on that account worse than meat and drink by which fasting is hindered but it is the part of believers to consider wisely when it is time to eat and drink and when to fast it is also the part of the same wisdom to have intercourse with their wives when it is seasonable and to refrain from that intercourse when they are called to be engaged otherwise and come together again that satan tempt you not here he brings forth the reason from ignorance of which the ancients have fallen into error in rashly and inconsiderately approving of a vow of perpetual continency for they reasoned in this manner if it is good for married persons sometimes to impose upon themselves for a time a voluntary continency with mutual consent 
then if they impose this upon themselves for ever, it will be so much the better. But then they did not consider how much danger was involved in this, for we give Satan an occasion for oppressing us when we attempt anything beyond the measure of our weakness. But we must resist Satan. What if arms and shield be wanting? They must be sought from the Lord, say they. But in vain shall we beseech the Lord to assist us in such a rash attempt. We must, therefore, carefully observe the clause, for your incontinency, for we are exposed to Satan's temptations in consequence of the infirmity of our flesh. If we wish to shut them out and keep them back, it becomes us to oppose them by the remedy with which the Lord has furnished us. Those, therefore, act a rash part who give up the use of the marriage bed. It is as if they had made an agreement with God as to perpetual strength. End of section 32